I'm Junie Felix, and this is Moving Forward, Tiny Habits for Successful Soul Care. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope and pray that you and I can encourage one another to walk by faith and to live out of love instead of fear more and more every single day. There are so many questions in life that do not have any answers. There's something about saying that sentence that provides a little relief, I think. And recently I ran into a video of one of my favorite YouTube channels, well, on one of my favorite YouTube channels. It's called Questions That No One Yet Knows the Answer To. And it's less than three minutes long and it was put together by a curator named Chris Anderson. Now, ever since childhood, Chris has been fascinated with what he calls the quote, quirky questions that seem to have no answers. So he kicks off the series in this video, this video series with two questions. And I quote, he says, two questions that no one on earth has the answers to. <laughs> I love that, end quote. The first is, how many universes are there? And the second is, why can't we see evidence of alien life? Now, we're not going to dive into those questions here. Sorry about that. But uh, if you need a link to the video, it's on my website, juniefelix.com. But I do love the idea of spending time thinking about the questions that no one knows the answers to. It's, um, it's kind of a fun game that I play, like a treasure hunt, see what new ideas pop up. But at face value, it might seem like a waste of time. But I do believe that on a deep personal level, if you and I slow down and spend some time discovering those questions that we're asking ourselves every day deep inside subconsciously, it can lead to some unexpected breakthrough. And it can bring relief from some of the tensions that you and I have learned to manage and even ignore, you know, just so we can do life. And with good reason. I mean, the personal questions we have deep inside that have not been answered yet are often a source of great sadness. So it seems better not to slow down and ask these questions. But what if it's not better? What if it's actually best to slow on down? Now, way back in the day, I believe H.G. Wells was pondering some of these things when he was writing about this very topic in The Time Machine. And that's a book that's inspired countless sci-fi spinoffs in every artistic medium. I mean, I believe at the heart of The Time Machine and the whole fascination that so many of us have with time travel, and I know I do, is one deeply personal, unanswerable question. And that question is, what if? Now, the two questions that I talked about earlier, how many universes are there and why can't we see evidence of alien life? These are interesting. Yeah, but they're not personal. But the two word question that we're all asking for whatever reason deep inside this question, those two words, what if it is deeply personal and it creates a bit of a war within us. It sets our hearts and our minds at war with one another. Behind the scenes, every waking minute of every day, it's exhausting. And it often shows up in our dreams. Have you noticed that? So we're asking these questions. What if I'd taken that job? What if I'd taken this other job? Or what if I'd not made that phone call? Or what if I did make the phone call? What if I'd not married this person? Or what if I never moved here or there? What if I decided to go gluten-free or vegan? What if? What if? This is a tiny two-word question that affects all of us on a very deep and personal level. And it really goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, really. Back to questions like, 
What if God decided not to put that terrible tree of temptation in the Garden of Eden? And since he did, why didn't he put a fence around it or a moat or some kind of American gladiator style way that you had to go through to make it there? So it would take longer. So maybe Adam and Eve would have had more time to come to their senses before they got there, you know, to the fruit. What if? And recently I found myself just staggered by the realization that at the root of some of my deepest frustrations in life was this tiny little question, what if? And I've just started calling it the tiny time machine, the tiniest time machine, those two words. And I was watching a 2002 version of the time machine on Amazon Prime. And in this adaptation, as with all the others that are taken directly from the book, the 19th century inventor travels 800,000 years into the future, trying to answer one question to alleviate his broken heart. And the question is, why can't he use his time machine to save the woman he loves from dying? And though he tries several times to go back and change the past with no success, he then travels to the future to see if his answer is there somewhere. And he does find his answer. But it's not the one, the answer that he was expecting. And it's not to the question, really, that drove this lifetime quest he was on ever since the day his his true love was murdered by a mugger and the question is that you can't the answer to the question that he found is that you can't manufacture any device or any idea that will change the past even if they work like the time machine it worked there he was eight hundred thousand years in the future but the reason he created the time machine was the problem The reason he created the machine was to go back and prevent the greatest sorrow of his life. And for most of us, our what if questions are connected, deeply connected, uh, irreversibly connected and related to the deepest sorrows and regrets of our lives. But like the inventor, as we sit here on the other side of those choices, those experiences, We've become someone who we never could have imagined. Uh, You and I, we have designed strategies and ways of being and coping that have helped us to not only survive our tragedies, but rise above, you know? We're wiser now, we're stronger, we're more faithful than we ever imagined we could be. There are friendships, there are relationships, professional decisions that were all made in relation to those events that turned our lives in a direction we'd never planned or expected. And there's always something to celebrate when it comes to surviving hardship, whether it's a medical scare or a relationship that imploded or even a wildfire or natural disaster. Something about surviving, well, everything about surviving brings unexpected strength often to people, not everyone. Some people just let it, you know, cause them to implode. But for many people, survival brings unexpected strength, new wisdom, new relationships, and even new opportunities. So... What if? It's a question that if you're asking it about the past, it will consume the present moment uh, for better or for worse. There's sometimes it can just tempt you to accomplish nothing. It just respond. You're tempted to respond in an unhealthy way uh, because no human, including you, has the answer to the what if questions about the past or me. We don't have those answers. So it consumes the present moment for better or for worse. And if you ask what if and you aim it toward the good future that you'd love to experience, the good future that God wants you to experience, you gain the opportunity to make a choice toward a future that's good and healthy and loving. And it just comes from just acknowledging, I found, that you can never, ever, 
you know, change the past, but you can. You can always design a better future with every tiny choice you make right now, even if it's just a choice to think of something good and productive. Now, of course, natural disasters and the choices of others, they will always affect you and me as they have in the past. But if you and I can remain mindful of the power that we have to choose our responses, like uh, what if I always choose to respond in faith? And then just walk out that decision that you made right there with all your heart in time incrementally, one tiny choice after the next, you'll become predictable in all the best ways. You'll be the one who's reliable, humble, loyal, kind, trustworthy, dependable, and faithful in your story. And you'll change the world for good, one tiny choice at a time. We all have a choice, and that's the heart of free will, but we can never choose the consequences of our choices. Yeah, that's that's the tough part. It's exactly like the tree in the center of the garden, except we think of what if, what if we just reframe that into what if is our time machine into the future? And here's what that looks like. What if you eat a little less sugar today? I'm living proof. I beat a sugar addiction this way. If you eat a little less sugar today, you will be a tiny bit healthier tomorrow. It feels great. Trust me on that one. What if you study harder for that exam? You'll have a better grade tomorrow. What if you apologize to your sister for that fight last Christmas? You'll have made the loving choice. And what if you give away one unused item in the garage? You'll be a tiny step closer to clearing the clutter. You know, that's how it accumulated one item at a time. And what if you buy your wife flowers today? It'll probably be a much more pleasant evening. Now, I could go on and on. But thankfully, many of our questions do have answers. And what if is either a curse or a blessing, which is pretty cool, I think. Every tiny choice matters, and it determines the answers for the next what-if scenario in your life and mine. And that's very good, but only if we decide to use it for good. Well, thanks again for listening, and I invite you to stop by juniefelix.com for a free download, almost forgot my own website there, for a free download of one of my event bestsellers. It's called The Gift of Sorrow, and you'll also receive updates on the release of my upcoming project from NAF Press, Moving Forward, or with NAF Press, really, my publisher there. It's called Moving Forward, Tiny Habits That Lead from Trauma to Faith.